I'd like you to take your Bibles here this morning, and we'll begin by turning to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2, and a familiar passage about the birth of Jesus Christ, and also of those who came to look for Jesus. And again, we're going to begin by reading through this passage and bring you a, I believe, an important thought from this passage that uh, is brought many times from this passage by preachers and teachers and also uh, has been taught, to, taught about uh, before in this church and ministry. But uh, we're going to be talking about uh, this thought here, room for Jesus, room for Jesus. And uh, we'll begin here in Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made by Cyrenius, uh, was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring thee good tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David uh, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger, and suddenly there was, an angel, uh, with, was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. I want us to pray together and consider this thought from verse number 7. It says there, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject, Do you have room for Jesus? Do you have room for Jesus? Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, we do thank you again for today. Thank you again for this time we can meet. Do ask that you would just bless this time and this thought of having room for the Lord Jesus. Again, as we consider this thought, I pray one would contemplate, again, uh, their life, what they do, what they think, uh, how they, uh, again, go about their business. I pray that we could see from the Word of God uh, where some really do give a lot towards Jesus and getting to be with Jesus, and how so many really in society and around the world take very little room for Jesus Christ, even today. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. It's amazing here in the Bible that after traveling through a, for a long journey that we find Jesus 
and Mary and Joseph come to a place where they uh, want uh, housing or a place to stay and all that they can come up with is a, a place, a manger for them. I've never been in a situation yet where I've traveled to a place and found no place that I could go to and, and perhaps lay my head down at night. I haven't been to a place where I couldn't find a motel or a lodging of sorts and, and be able to stay there for a time. But imagine if you went to some place, traveled a long ways and found yourself in a place where there was no room for you to a large degree, but someone might just offer you, you know, this, this place. Really, it's a place to keep your head out of the, maybe out of the rain, and a place, again, that, that animals may take refuge, but it's really not a place that most people would consider really a place at all for people. But imagine, again, that if you were of notoriety, maybe someone of great stature, um, someone, again, who should be loved by the world or cared for by the world, and yet there was no room for you. Imagine you being the creator of this very universe, and there's no room for you. Imagine you're coming into this world for one purpose, but really to die for man's sin, but there's no room for you. That's what it was for Jesus and his family. There was no room for them. And again, if we're really truly honest today, I wonder how many really have room for him today. I mean, you think about Jesus and how he gets squeezed out by so many things in our life and things in society. Most of us, honestly, really, to some degree, at times in our life, have little room for Jesus, just like there was but a room for Jesus, but not much of room for him at all. You know, we may have room for strangers. Again, I don't know if you take a stranger as a guest in your house, but some would take a stranger into their house. They'd make room for them. There are people that intentionally buy a house to have a guest room. They buy a house so that they can have guests to room with them. There are people, again, that would maybe, again, if there was someone maybe that was new to a church and that sort of thing, they'd make room for that person. There would be children, again, if there was someone new on the block that they might give room to or friendship to. And there are certainly opportunities that we can give room in good ways to other people. Some people give room, again, to certain peoples, maybe nobles, maybe uh, people of notoriety, maybe people specifically from their family they'll give room to. Some will give room to strangers, even along the highway, maybe someone's hitchhiking. I've seen someone doing that here of late, and I thought about pulling over and giving them a ride, but I was late already to some degree, so I thought to myself, this is not going to work, and if you're scheduled for an appointment or scheduled to be somewhere at some time. Certainly, again, you could make room and maybe you could, maybe you could stop and do whatever it might do. But uh, again, I, I think about rooms in general, making room for others in life. As we think about making room for Jesus, this is, a, this is a thought that we should ever keep in our heads, not just at this time of the year, but in any time this year, of the year. Yes, times have changed to some degree. The coronavirus, again, has certainly been present in our society. And there are people that really, in some degree, just want to cancel Christmas. Really cancel Jesus. Some would want to cancel worship. Come and want to redefine worship. At times I feel like, myself, I really have very little time for Jesus. Way too little time for Jesus. 
How much Bible time do you give to Jesus on a daily basis? How much praise time do you give to Jesus? How much of the time, the 24 hours a day that you give, that you have, do you give to Jesus? How much prayer time do you give to Jesus? How much service do you give to Jesus? How much worship do you give to Jesus? These are things we should think about. We could look at others and say, well, they gave just the least of rooms to Jesus. And that is true. But they really didn't have extra rooms, or they may well have gave them to him to be in. But at least they looked for another place for Jesus to dwell and his family to get out of the elements. At times, I believe, again, we give the leftovers to Jesus, the last part of our day, maybe just a few minutes of our day, or the leftovers of our day to Jesus. For some people, they don't give time to Jesus much at all. He's not important to them. Verse number 7, the Bible says, and there was no room for them in the end. As we consider some thoughts of, do you have room for Jesus? I want us to consider some thoughts, first of all, of some who have little or just the least for Jesus. Society, to a degree, has very little room for Jesus. We live in a Christian society, right, in America, and yet we have little room for Jesus. We'll study on Muhammad in the schools, but let's not study about Jesus. We'll learn about different things in history, but let's not learn about Jesus. Let's have the children, if they mean school, to have Santa Claus and all these things and special things for Santa, but how much for Jesus? Think about how much in politics you hear about Jesus. How many campaigns are centered around Jesus? How many teachers teach about Jesus? How many songs are about Jesus? I wonder how many songs about Jesus. Just think about that for a minute. How many songs about Jesus? And how many songs about other people in this world? How many stories about Jesus? People have room for sports. Sunday and football. But Sunday and Jesus? I'm not saying you can't have... Sunday in football, I mean, you can. That's the world has to offer. Education. Oh, education, we got to invest in education, but investing in the morals of Jesus or the morals of the scriptures. People have time for college and time for education, time for sports and time for stories and songs and all kinds of things, but so little for Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 27. How would you react if you were given the opportunity to pick Jesus or somebody else? Pick Jesus or somebody else. I wonder how many would pick somebody else rather than Jesus. We see a familiar story in Matthew chapter 27 and uh, verse number 20. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 20. The choice is between Christ or a criminal. Christ or a criminal, Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 20 says, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether the twain will you have I released to you? And they said, Barabbas. 
Pilate saith unto him, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And they say unto him, Let him be crucified. Man, that's not much for Jesus, is it? Release a criminal, but kill Jesus. Today, I believe, again, many are more concerned about criminals than Christ. They're more concerned about a robber than a sinner, and a sinner than a redeemer and a savior. Given the opportunity we see in the Bible, we know from history that they chose Barabbas, a robber, rather than Jesus, a redeemer. Society has no room for Jesus to a large degree. It really doesn't have much room for Jesus. Oh, maybe again we can talk a little bit about don't take Christ out of Christmas. I wonder how many of those people that say don't take Christ out of Christmas really celebrate Christ throughout the year. Some give lip service to Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. I know, again, maybe some of the parts of this message may seem hard, but it's still truthful nonetheless. Some just give lip service to Jesus. Don't take Christ out of Christmas, they chant. It's all about Jesus this time of year. But some of those same people don't don the doors of a church. They don't open the Bible, which is all about Jesus. It's the Word. They don't serve Jesus very much. Some may, some. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, it says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I wonder how many truly have a heart for Jesus. I mean a heart for Jesus. Some will give Jesus maybe an hour a week at certain times of the year, and then maybe none at all during summer. And they say, we have, we, have, we have room for Jesus. Making room for Jesus would certainly include, again, giving uh, time again to coming to the house of God if possible and, 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 and practical, depending on one's health and situations, but sacrificing for Jesus. Showing love for Jesus can be seen more when people truly give him time, treasure, and their talents. Is it too much to ask people who are saved to serve him? Is it too much to ask the world to worship the creator? Is it too much to pray to him that gives us good gifts from above? For us to look at others and say, they didn't give room to Jesus. They gave room for Barabbas, but they didn't give room for Jesus. They said, kill him. Crucify him. We need to look at ourselves. We need to look at the scriptures and see how sometimes society has little room for Jesus. The C&E Christians, Christmas Easter Christians, really don't have time for Jesus. I know that's hard. Maybe that sounds harsh, but they really don't have time for Jesus. Many Christians today are calling for shorter services, less time, less attendance in church, more family time, more this and that, whatever it might be. And I don't even think sometimes they understand, but they're squeezing Jesus out. 
They're not bringing Jesus in. Pastors today will cancel a service to, so that everybody can watch the Super Bowl. Some people say, well, why don't you start doing that? I'm not interested in doing that right now. Maybe I'll change my mind. You'll be all for it someday. But isn't that, to some degree, canceling Jesus? Let's turn to Luke chapter 14. I understand, again, we can give a lot of room to Jesus, or we can give maybe a, a least kind of room for Jesus. And I'm not saying you're in one position or not, but I want you to just you know, look at your own heart and say, uh, is my heart with him or is it far from him? As we've seen there back in Matthew chapter 15. Luke chapter 14. Let's turn over there if we would. Luke chapter 14. Let's pick up in verse number 16. It says, Then said he unto them, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And his servants at, at supper time... Uh, uh, and he sent, sorry, his servant at supper time uh, to them that they, might, that they were bidden, come for all things are ready. And they with, all, with one consent made excuse. And the first said unto them, I have bought me a piece of ground and I, I must needs go and see it. I, I pray thee have me excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I, I, I go to prove them and I pray thee have me excuse. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed these uh, things to his master of his house. Being angry, said to the servant, go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the, the poor, the, the, the maimed, the halt, and, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done, and as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. See in the Bible, room. A feast. All things, again, prepared for a people that would just come to a meal and come to a great feast. But you find there in Luke chapter 14, excuses for not coming. You see excuses that really do have some merit to them. I'm not saying they, they don't have any merit to them. In verse number 18, he says, I got a piece of land and I I go, to, I go to see it, I pray thee, have me excuse. I've got a piece of land. There's something else to do. There's something for us to be involved with, and I, I'll do that instead. Verse number 19, is another says, I bought a five yoke of oxen, and, uh, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, uh, have me excuse. And uh, verse number 20, I'm married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So many different distractions, so many different things that we could do in life. And yet the Bible says there, a lot of people just don't come. You can compel people to come, you can encourage people to come, you can tell people to come to a great feast, and this is dealing with the kingdom of God and the truths of God, and yet people do not come. And so it does not shock me, it does not surprise me, it doesn't surprise anybody in general that people will find excuses when it comes to Picking someone over Jesus or picking, again, uh, something else to do rather than maybe hearing the word of God and coming to a great feast. Luke 14, verse number 14, it says, And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Now this deals with, again, the ability maybe to give 
over some things to somebody else and, and maybe you're not going to be uh, given a reward or blessed in doing something. And uh, you may have to wait for God to reward you for, for things that are come. You know, if we had a special meeting here, we encourage people to come and attend. And, and we do this from time to time. We've done this throughout the history of this ministry. And people have done this around the history of this world. That the reality is there's so many that make excuses and they find something else they can do. People concentrate on all kinds of things and leave little room for Jesus. They have time to eat. They have time for school. They have time for sports. They have time for a shower. They have time for release, relaxation, time for work. They have time for play. They have time for education. But how much time do they have for Jesus? Society has little time for Jesus. We know that. That's point number one. Number two, I want to consider here, schedules sometimes have little time for Jesus, too. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 4. We can crowd out Jesus. We can schedule, to some degree, out Jesus. Or we can schedule Jesus in, but a little bit here and there. You know, people say, well, you know, leave that stuff for Sunday. Worship's for Sunday. Churches for Sunday. But are we crowding out Jesus and just setting aside Sunday or parts of Sunday for Jesus? Colossians chapter 4, verse number 5, the Bible says here, walk in wisdom toward them there without redeeming the time. And it's necessary for us to walk in wisdom, as it says here, as Christians, and we are to redeem the time really don't have that much time left. We may not have much time before the Lord returns. We have time for eats. We have time for treats. We have time for work. We have time for play. We have time for the lake and time for leisure. We have time for fishing. We have time for fun. We have time to party. We have time to play. Time for the internet. Time for email. Time for calls. Time for... On and on and on it goes. Redeeming the time. Let's turn back to uh, Luke there, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. As they travel again a long ways there to find <clears throat> a place to stay, the Bible says there in verse number 7, it says, And she brought forth her Firstborn son and wrapped him in swine clouds and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I wonder if God, as God looks around and he sees what we're doing and sees what society is doing, does he see just as he sees and as he did back in Genesis chapter 6? Let's turn back there if you would. Genesis chapter 6. Does he see a people busy with all kinds of different things, involved with all kinds of different things, and it actually grieves him what people are doing today. What Americans are doing today. What Christians are doing today. What people are doing today. It was, I believe, again, hard for Jesus and God to see what was going on back before the days of Noah. 
Notice here in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, Genesis 6, verse number 5, it says, And God saw the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of their hearts was, uh, sorry, imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Verse number 12, it says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way on the earth. Verse 11, the earth was corrupt before the Lord, and the earth was filled with violence. Verse 13, it says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come, for the earth is filled with violence. Through them, behold, I will destroy them with the earth. This time in history, very few had any time for God, any time for Jesus. And as the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the sons, Son of Man be, the Bible says, and Jesus said. And so there'll be a time, I believe, in the future, and certainly maybe even now to some degree, where people have so much time for everything else, but no time for Jesus. People will schedule room for many things in life, but I wonder how much of their schedule is centered around Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. Scheduling things, and things are needful. I mean, dentist appointments and doctor appointments and, and physical exams and certainly vacations from time to time. Those are all good things in their place. They, they'll schedule time and, you know, I can't remember the term right now, but, you know, put this on your calendar, so to speak, the graduation coming, the wedding coming, this date coming, uh, and that sort of thing, and they'll, they'll, they'll schedule certain things into their life, and schedule things into the future, and, and look forward maybe to this, that, or the other thing, and, and that sort of thing, but I wonder how many times we have Jesus scheduled in. Luke chapter 18, verse number 20, the Bible says here, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst therein. That's a special time where Jesus meets with other people when the church meets. And Jesus is here even today. He's here this very hour. People here have gathered together in his name. And he's here with us. Yet I wonder how many people schedule so many different things but don't have time for Jesus Christ. Sometimes, again, people will be in a place where maybe they need to do certain things, and so they don't even schedule time to be with Jesus. I wonder what was so important in the life of Thomas, that disciple, that he couldn't meet with Jesus. Let's turn to Acts chapter 24. The cares of life, the concerns of the economy, concerns when it comes to politics, concerns when it comes to the future, concerns when it comes maybe to uh, the presidency and all these kind of things. And, and people, again, will take much time for this and that. But really, we need to center our time more around Jesus. Acts chapter 24, verse number 25. It says, Any reason of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come? And Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. When I have a convenient time, I'll, I'll call for thee. I wonder how many people in life say, you know, when I get old and I get gray, I'll have time for church. I'll have time for the things of God. I'll have time to read the Bible. 
wonder if people are more like Felix many times. And when it's convenient, when it's convenient, I'll listen to words of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Temperance deals with the thought of being right. And certainly, again, we need preaching and teaching and, and reading the Bible that teaches us to do right. The Bible talks about righteousness. And certainly we need to live right. And so we should take time to, to learn about living right. And judgment to come, that's coming for everyone. And we should certainly be concerned about judgment to come. People can schedule Jesus out of the life. The atheist does. The agnostic does. Secular citizens, they've scheduled Jesus out of the life. They like to cancel Jesus out of the Christian culture we have in America. They like to get rid of Jesus altogether. Even today, we are considered non-essential. We are. The church is considered non-essential. The church is to meet, but we're considered non-essential. We shouldn't meet. We don't need to meet. Oh, just get some guy, some teacher out there, and, and he can just, you know, teach from the Word of God, and they can have church without assembling. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Luke chapter 2, let's turn over there. It's certainly, again, a good alternative, and I'm not saying it's a bad one to be able to maybe broadcast one's message through New technology, it's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think the world needs to know about Jesus. They need to know the truths of God. And certainly, again, to publish that, to, to broadcast that, whether it be radio or, or whatever it might be, uh, Facebook Live, etc. I'm not necessarily against that. But again, it's not a, an alternative, really, to, uh, to, 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 to assembling when it comes to Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse number 6, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. How do we feel like if we are in a place where there's no room for us? There's really no room for us. How do we feel when we are snubbed or left out or forgotten or forsaken? No one likes that, right? Nobody likes that. But we see in this passage of Scripture, again, there was very little room for Jesus, and I'm glad for the room that he was given there. And I'm certain that uh, Joseph and Mary were thankful probably for that stable that was set aside so that they at least had somewhere to stay, somewhere at least partly private to stay. But as we read on this text, we find the Bible that, and we read on verse number eight, and there were in the, in the uh, same country shepherds abiding in the, in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of God shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born in this city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, with them an angel, a multitude 
of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. It came to pass as the angels gone away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. We see some people who really have room for Jesus. The shepherds. The angels come to the shepherds and they say, you know, the Savior's here. The Savior's in Bethlehem. Verse number 11, it says, come to the city of David, uh, uh, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And they're told that there's Jesus there. And they're told that there's, again, in a sense, uh, a chance for them to see the Lord Jesus there. And you know what? They say, you know what? It's time to go. And he says, they're shepherds. They can't do that. That'd be like leaving your work, right? I mean, leaving your work to be with Jesus? But you see them do this, and it's amazing. We don't see, again, them running off and saying, you know, what's, we're, 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 we got to find a bunch of shepherds so those shepherds can fulfill our duties as a shepherd. They just leave their flocks at this message that Jesus is here. They're told that they can come worship Jesus. They can, they're told they can come see Jesus. The, the, these men are told this from the angels. And they decide, you know, we're going to schedule, we're going to shift our schedule, we're going to change our schedule, we're going to do what we can, and we're going to go see Jesus. And they leave behind their flocks, and they leave for, to see Jesus. Verse 15, it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now even go on to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and, and Joseph and, and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, uh, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. These are odd people. They are odd people. You say, why are they odd people? Because these shepherds come to see Jesus. They come to be with Jesus. They come to see and, and get to hear and, and look at Jesus. It's like someone planning and, and to meet with Jesus on a regular basis. It's like someone planning again and, and scheduling in the word of God and worship for God and prayer to God when given the opportunity. It's like saying, you know, Jesus is appearing in this city and we're going to go there. It's like... I, I, I've, I've, I've thought about in general at times, if the president would come just close to the Valley City, we'd go there to see him, to hear him, to be with him. And the shepherds did this. They left behind their stuff. They left behind their sheep. They left behind their livelihood. They left behind these the sheep again, and I think, you know, and some would say, well, that certainly doesn't add up. Sheep, uh, shepherds need sheep, but didn't the angels say, go there? The angels said, go there. 
And so they left behind the sheep. God could take care of their sheep. God could take care of their stuff. And they would go to see Jesus. But they not only went to see Jesus. You see there in verse number uh, 15, they not only went to see Jesus, it says in verse number 16, it says, They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them of the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things in her heart, pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, and it was told them. You know, it was good for them to go see Jesus, the shepherds. It was really good for them to go see Jesus. They not only went to see Jesus, but they went out to tell other people about Jesus. It says there, verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made note abroad the saying, which is told them concerning the child. And so they heard about Jesus. They, they learned uh, here and, and got to see Jesus and got to worship Jesus and be with Jesus and be with Mary and Joseph and Jesus at the stable. Can you imagine the privilege they had to be there? Christians need to see a need for more of Jesus, less of this world, and more of Jesus. The shepherds, again, they, they took this really to task as they made room for Jesus. They went to see Jesus. They went to worship Jesus. And then they went to tell other people about Jesus. Isn't that the same task we have? To worship Jesus. To come and see Jesus. To hear from Jesus. To look upon Jesus. To see Him in His Word on a regular basis. Not just in church, but outside of church. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. You know, the shepherds are a great example of people that made great room for Jesus. You know, the wise men certainly, and they came a lot later, I just want to mention that. They, they, you know, they didn't both meet there at the manger, as you see in the manger scenes, but uh, I just want to mention in Matthew chapter 2 here, we find some others that make room for Jesus. These shepherds left behind their livelihood to be with Jesus, they left behind their livelihood for some time to tell other people about Jesus. And certainly they set example there. We could talk more about that, but we uh, won't here today. But we also see some seekers, some wise men who are seekers of knowledge, seekers of wisdom that also traveled to see Jesus. Again, you're familiar with them, but let's read about them just a little bit here. Matthew chapter 2, and verse number 1 and verse number 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem and saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. I just wonder where these guys found out about Jesus. I mean, I'm just trying to just put two and two together right here, okay? Just a little bit. Somehow the news of the shepherds must have reached the wise men at some point. I mean, that's all I can put together. I mean, yeah, people could talk about stars and all these kind of things, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but it's certainly a possibility that the, the message of the shepherds, that there's a Savior in this world, reached the wise men. Now, I understand here 
in the Bible that they might have looked in the scriptures and they they seen some things in the scriptures and they thought, you know, here, we're going to go and see Jesus. I mean, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem again. Maybe they looked in the Old Testament and they saw that, but they got word somehow that there was this Jesus. And it's amazing that they got word somehow that there was some Jesus and they would travel so far to see Jesus. In verse number nine, it says, and when they heard the king, they departed and lo, uh, the star which they saw in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented on him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We see some others in the Bible that really went out of their way to see Jesus and to be with Jesus and to worship Jesus and to give gifts to Jesus and all those kind of things. The wise men set forth an example of people that think Jesus means a whole lot. They spent months traveling to see Jesus. I wonder if we were given that opportunity today. I wonder if we knew that Jesus was somewhere on this earth where we travel months by foot or camel or whatever it might be, or car even, to be with Jesus. We found out today, again, maybe he was going to be in St. Petersburg, Russia. He was going to be there tomorrow. And it was totally true. How many people would get on a plane and say, you know, I'm a sacrifice to be with Jesus? There would probably be a lot of flights. But there would probably be some that wouldn't take a flight to see Jesus. They found out somehow, and again, it's conjecture that maybe the shepherds gave, uh, again, some they heard through, again, word, or they heard from the word, or they heard from the word of God, or something along that lines. but they must have found out some way, somehow, that there was this Jesus, and they were come to worship him. They were not only come to worship him, but they were going to give some gifts to him and show him honor. Then we can do these things. We can be people that make room for Jesus like the shepherds. We can make room like the wise men to seek out Jesus and worship him. We can be like the wise men and give gifts to Jesus. And, and every Christian should certainly give gifts to Jesus. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'm not saying you, can't, you have to be a part of that crowd that has very little room for Jesus. You can be part of the crowd that's willing to go out of the way to be with Jesus, to seek Jesus, to worship Jesus, to give gifts to Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to tell other people about Jesus. This is where Christians should be at. But I also want to mention here, also in the Bible, a lost sinner that was willing to search and seek out Jesus. Luke chapter 19, we're familiar with this man. In Luke 19, verse number 1, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And uh, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans and was rich. And so this is a religious, rich man. And he sought to see Jesus whom he was. 
and could not for the press, because he was little of stature, he ran before and climbed in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked and saw him and said unto Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide in thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they murmured, saying that he had gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restored fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. We see in the Bible a great story about a real man who sought Jesus. He wasn't a saved man that sought Jesus, but he was a religious man that sought Jesus. He was a sinner. The Bible defines him as a sinner there. It mentions there, verse number 7, it says, And, they, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Tax collectors were known for being crooked, dishonest, and doing things that were wrong, etc. And even Zacchaeus mentions here in the Bible if I've taken things that I shouldn't have done, verse number 8, it says, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. See here in the Bible, Zacchaeus, a chief publican, a, a tax collector. When Jesus comes by, Zacchaeus is there. And he's there to see Jesus, who he is. He's wanting to see Jesus. So he climbs up in a tree to see Jesus. I wonder how many people would really go out of their way, as this man does, to see Jesus. We see in this man, a man who not only sees Jesus, but he also is saved by Jesus. The Bible says there, verse number 9, it says, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He was coming to the Jews to reach the lost. And this Jew, who wasn't saved, gets saved. This man made room for Jesus. Let me encourage each one of you this morning to make room for Jesus and salvation. You need a Savior. All sinners need a Savior. People again looked at this man and says, he's a sinner. But he needed a savior. And so he made room for Jesus. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10, this last passage here. Luke chapter 10, and verse number 38. And we see the shepherds seek Jesus, and that's great. That's wonderful. They gave room for Jesus. We see the seekers, the wise men, they, they make room for Jesus. We see a sinner by the name of Zacchaeus. He makes room for Jesus. And we also see here in Luke chapter 10, the saints make room for Jesus. Luke chapter 10, at verse number 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received her, him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And Martha was covered about with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, doesn't thou care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore she helped me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art 
careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part that which shall not be taken away from her. Here we say Jesus come into a house. And this house is marked on Mary's house. And the Bible talks about them both there to begin with, I believe, in this situation, listening to Jesus. In verse number 39, it says, She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about with much serving. We see here in the Bible, Mary and Martha's sisters, having opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet and hear from his word. In verse 39, it says this, But Martha was cumbered with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care for that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, to help me. Verse 42, And one thing is needful, and Martha has chosen that good part that shall not be taken away from her. You know, Martha and Mary, again, were both involved with doing some things that were good. Mary was a spiritual person. Martha was a spiritual person. But Mary, as a saint, decided, you know, it's time for hearing Jesus. And we need to make room for hearing Jesus. We need to make time for reading our Bibles. We need to take time for praying. We need to take time to tell others about Jesus. She chose the good part, the Bible says. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part that shall not be taken away from her. There were words that said, were said in Jesus' house that most probably Martha missed. Imagine Jesus coming in your house and you being so busy with everything else that you don't hear everything that Jesus has to say in your house. This is what seems to have happened there. It's sometimes easy for us to call for sacrifice and putting ourselves out and yet maybe at the same time not making room for Jesus. Making time for service. Making time for things maybe that seemingly are important to us and are maybe good, maybe for a different day or a different time, but not good for us at the time. Making room for Jesus. We could talk about other people in the Bible, and I just mentioned them here because they're, I think, important figures to see in the Bible. Joseph of Arimathea, he gave his tomb to Jesus. John the Baptist, he gave his head, he gave his life for Jesus. The disciples, they left their trades, they left their livelihood for Jesus. Paul died daily to the position he could have had as a great religious leader to be beaten, stoned, and hated for Jesus. There's no room for them. In the end, and we need to consider here today how much we want to be like these in the Bible that made room for Jesus. Will we make room like the shepherds did for Jesus? Will we make room like the wise men for Jesus? Will we make room like we see there in the Bible as Zacchaeus did? He, he ran, made haste. Climb up in a tree to see Jesus who he was. We like Mary there, sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. Let's close as we look at the word of God this morning.